0: Are you ready?
1: I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And do you remember the name of the show?
1: People to Pieces. There you go. Welcome to another edition of People to Pieces. My name is Lori Jones and I'm joined by Maurice Carver. We're here to talk about some interesting topics of the day. But this
0: is the type of mentality that these that these people are talking about. It's mercenary mentality, because it, because at, after you get to a certain point in time, as when you get older, some of these things don't matter, right? This money is important only to be able to take care of yourself. But as as uh, those people that's in the fifties and sixties area, uh, Jones, what was some of the things that they thought was was important?
1: Well, they also thought occupation and material well being, but probably because that that. That fifty to sixty-four generation is the one that saw Sar Sarbanes Oxley and you know Enron and you know all the things that happened. They saw that you know, like you you just finished saying that that stuff that you're expecting could be gone in a minute. You know, I know we talked about um, there, were, there was there a period of time where there were so many states that were going underwater. That firemen, you know, people who had protected and served are the bravest and all that other stuff who had worked 20 30 years and retired had to go back to work because they couldn't afford their health insurance and and you know the the they weren't getting the benefits that they were expecting to get in their old age because the city had just gone under underwater and couldn't pay them what they thought they were supposed to get so i think you know that 50 to 64 generation still would be concentrating on occupation and and well-being the other thing i find from a personal standpoint is that i think um our generation knows the way it should be. You know, we've, we've had enough news, even when we were younger and not really thinking about it. You know, we've had enough news passed through, whether it's watching our parents or, you know, hearing stuff on, on news stories. We've known what's supposed to be happening in terms of employee satisfaction and all that other stuff. There are generations that grow up thinking that this is the way it's supposed to be. I mean, I, I personally have a mother who has, has a, a wonderful work history In terms of she worked for a law firm and she was like the first black female to be on the senior partner's floor, you know, and she, you know, she had a boss that took care of her and, and, you know, made sure that she got all the benefits she was supposed to get. And even after she retired, she still had, you know, her, her benefits and stuff set up where they didn't take it away from her. So when you see stuff like that and you're like, yeah, you know, your dedication for years and years wound up paying off. That's the way it's supposed to be, but we now have a, a, a environment where your dedication isn't doesn't appear to be appreciated as much. Where it's either like, well, we can't do it, we just can't do it because we don't have the money or the economy tanked, and so we're going back on our our obligations. And you know that that generation thirty plus knows that um, you, you have to be concerned whether or not you're going to have a future financially and um, you know career-wise
0: last but not least let's talk about those people that were 65 and older and you and me both know this this uh area pretty well because we we have parents to be we were uh definitely involved in helping to take care of and understanding what their, their needs were in 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 terms of uh life after employment um well if you can retire right because you know like you said a lot of people are going back to work. But what were some of their concerns, the people that were 65 and older?
1: Well, their fa- family, again, was first, but they also looked at material well-being. And finally, they looked at health. And I found it interesting that, <laughs> that that wasn't mentioned in the top three for any of the other groups. I mean, maybe 18 to 29, you're still in that I'm invincible mode where yes where you don't really think about it you roller skate because if you break something it's gonna heal quickly you know that kind of stuff. right <laughs> but um i thought it would probably be um something that you it, you know i think it should be something that you're concerned with about earlier because if you're concerned with it in your 30s to you know 50s you're probably going to have less problems with it 65 plus so i think that probably is something that should be moved up on the scale For most people, you know, I found interesting, though, Maurice, and I don't know if maybe this is supposed to be contemplated in friends, but relationships, you know, were not really talked about because, you know, we were just talking about COVID. You know, there's some relationships that got stronger. There's some relationships that is like, nope, uh, 24 hours with you. For a year and a half is too too much. <laughs> so I don't know if that that friendship thing is included in there, but I'm I'm curious as to whether or not they they polled how people um looked at that.
0: Apparently, that that wasn't um a part of specific questions that they asked. Well, this because this is a worldwide poll, and and based on what I'm looking at, they well I guess they would lump that into to family. But it, it. But again, I mean, when you see the dissolution of relationships due to the pressure that's been put on it because of COVID, I guess there wasn't enough alcohol to make you want to stay. Right?
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They did keep the wasn't alcohol um, or a liquor stores considered uh, essential. essential businesses? <laughs> essential,
0: <laughs> exactly. People don't realize the, the the one thing that that is a benefit of work besides the, the difficulties of working in a place. It is a social buffer, right? You get a you get a chance to be away from your family <laughs> for eight hours, <laughs> plus whatever the commute the commuting time is. And and and, and let's be honest with you. I mean, there's, there's there's something to be said to be able to have that buffer to and, and just you know time away from people. I guess it makes them you appreciate them even more.
1: Well, you know, I had a friend when I, and this is, you know, back in my early 20s, when I was in school, I had a neighbor who stopped working and, she, you know, she had two kids, you know, a couple of years apart. So she had, you know, toddlers and she used to call it um, mother burnout. (laughs) She Mm. was like, you know, she was like, I'm so happy to be able to have adult conversations because at a certain point, you know, you love being a mother and you love your children, all this stuff. But she was saying, you know, pretty much what you're saying now, that to get away and to have a little bit of a different environment, you know, with a different uh, conversation was something that they that she thought was, um, was important to her mental health. And, you know, with the 65 plus, I was wondering if they could even go further, because I've noticed anyone who's had... Um, interactions with their elders, you know, when I'm talking about 80 plus, notice that they become more concerned with financial than even than they sometimes need to be. And Mm. by that, I'm saying that I know um, with grandparents and great aunts and and even parents now, I found that when you try and buy stuff for elderly people, they're like, Oh, I don't really need that. Oh, what you're spending your money on? You know, this for and it's it's almost like you could be buying something that's good, like comfortable shoes for them. And they're still like, Oh, don't waste your money. It's almost like they they're more concerned not just with their own money, but they're concerned with the spending of money.
0: Well you know what I mean? Well well, let's think about it like this. Uh one of the things that they did mention was that they they had a, a issue with society and how it's being shaped, and so I think that they're thinking. What I took from it is they're thinking about what their what will be their legacy, right? Because we're leaving this society to these young people, so they might be looking at it saying, "If I don't take these shoes, well, that'll be extra money in your pocket to do what you need to do." I don't want to be a a burden, you know. I want to leave you better off than than I was when I started out. And and I, I thought that was very interesting that they thought about the impact of society. But the problem is that um, it's not all the people who are not voting because they're voting. <laughs> they're going out and voting. They're the ones that are, that are shaping society and, they, and they're making these decisions. But again, um, I, I, I want to uh, bring up another point that I thought was interesting. And this is going to get you mad. So I, I love this. So, you know, because I love getting you upset. It's so much fun <laughs> so much fun seeing it. <laughs> but it but 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 it said the majority the majority of the people this is another Quinnipiac poll it says the majority says the supreme court is motivated by politics and not the law
1: <laughs> yeah that's 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 not surprising <laughs> okay and, and i'm you-
0: i'm going to give you another fact that's going to piss you off more than 6 in 10 americans 63% Say they agree with this 1973 Roe versus Wade Supreme Court decision that establishes a woman's right to abortion, and 28% say they disagree with it.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, and I think I think the society thing makes sense 50 plus, because again, it's it's you you've seen what's happened over the years and you have points of comparison, you know, like this is what it's supposed to be and this is what it used to be. And this is what it is. You know, so you have points of comparison, even in politics, like what you're you're talking about, we know politicians were supposed to represent their constituents and they were supposed to tell you what they're going to do, what their platform was as opposed to now where it's like, okay, we're going to just do some, some bashing, you know, during campaigns. And if we bash them enough, that's good enough. I don't even need to tell you what I'm going to do for you. You know, or, you know, they just, it's, it's just, it's just all politics. You know, it's it's like, let's get our people in there so that we can get our issues of our party taken care of. Forget about the constituencies, you know, where I think, well, I can't remember what state it was, but that state that had like 90% of the people wanted gun control laws. And then the representative went in and voted against it <laughs> You're thinking, What?
0: That doesn't even make sense. Well, it's funny that you mentioned gun laws, right? Because nearly half of Americans, 49%, oppose stricter gun laws in the United States, while 45% support stricter gun laws. Republicans oppose it, 84% to 13%. Independents 50, oppose it, 54 to 39%, while Democrats support stricter gun laws, 91% to 7%. So again, I mean, across the spectrum, you see people having this, this idea, especially after these recent shootings that have occurred in the, in the United States, people are still saying that you're not taking our guns.
1: Well, that's, that's a problem only because I think it's going to be one of those situations or it is one of those situations where people aren't really understanding the impact in the, until it becomes close to home, you know, sort of like um, Dick Cheney. Remember, Dick Cheney was, you know, on that whole I'm against LGBT until he had a daughter who was LGBT. And then all of a sudden he turned around and, you know, even though the entire party was still, you know, chanting their 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 negativity, he turned around and said, oh, well, no, I have a better understanding and blah, blah, blah. You know, at a certain point, it's just until it hits you close to home, you will say that And, and hopefully it doesn't. But I'm sure people who, you know, there are all those people who were like pro-Trump and yeah, Trump said don't don't do this and Trump said don't do that. And then when they had something that impacted them, like even with the COVID situation, oh, Trump said no, it's like a a a um, you know, it's like a flu or blah, blah, blah. It's not something that you really have to worry about. And then when they lost a loved one who was a Trump supporter that went to a rally or went to some at that point they turned around and they said, Okay, now I have a problem. I'm looking at this a little bit differently. So I you know unfortunately and 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 again, we we're always behind the eight ball. I don't know why we wait until there's a problem to try and fix it. People should be more proactive in terms of the analysis of gun control laws, about abortion laws, and about all these things that significantly impact large groups of people and make, you know, decisions that are probably, why is not just for your family, but why is for society on a whole?
0: Well, again, when we, we look at the national polls, it talks about uh, these independent voters, which supposedly comprises about 42 percent of all the voters in the United States and how a bunch of them are saying that, hey, we're not feeling that this, this either, either one of these parties are listening to our wants, our needs, our desires, things that we find to be important to us. And they're leaving. And uh, again, I think that, that they they feel that this two-party system does not represent the interests of voters, but they represent somebody else's interests. And the question has to be, are the parties listening? Because especially, you know, the, there's a significant increase in young people who declare themselves to be independent.
1: Yeah, but the, you know, that, that part disturbed me a little bit because... They talked about the fact that people were declaring themselves independent because they thought their party, that Democrat Party, Democratic Party was going too far left or the Republican Party was going too far right or whatever the case is. And I think that it's more, it's 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 less knowledge about the issues themselves and it's more about the rhetoric, you know, that civil, civil war type mentality that we're talking about. You know, you're just used to, okay, I'm going to pick a side and then I'm going to run with it. For for me, I think that a lot of the people who are calling the Democratic Party too far left is because we're finally getting issues addressed that they've been able to ignore for a long time. Again, that George Floyd situation, people were able to ignore Black men being killed, you know, for no reason. You know, Black for a minor offense. I don't care what it was, whether it was, you know, selling cigarettes or it was you know, allegedly passing a counterfeit bill or whatever the case is, you know, people were able to ignore the loss of a life until the George Floyd situation happened. And then everybody started saying, okay, we now we have allies and, you know, it's in our face. And But it's been going on for so long that now that you have, they've been forced, society has been forced to address it. Now there's a whole bunch of people on the right are like, no, you're being socialist, or no, that's 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 you know, you're overreacting in the be it Black Lives Matter movement. That's too much. They're now turning to say that okay, you're addressing an issue that I'm not sure I agreed with to begin with, and so you're too far left.
0: I always told you, Jones, that there, there's no such thing as cognitive dissonance any longer. I've changed my opinion, I call it cognitive indifference. These people are, are looking at situations, they're looking at the facts, they're looking at things right in front of them. We've, we've tried to lay out all of the information and they, they seem, seem to not want to pay attention to it. So it's, it's not, there's no struggle w- within themselves to say that they're having a problem with this. They have resolved it. They're indifferent to it. So they're making it seem like there's some type of psychological conflict between right and wrong. No, they, they don't have a conflict because they've are looking at it from a perspective that is what is their best interest in, involved. And it has nothing to do with justice or it has and nothing. What's right or wrong? Go ahead.
1: And 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 that's a problem. Sorry to interrupt you. Um, that that's a problem because you know, and I think I've mentioned it to you before that that Dr. Joy Degru has had used an analogy or an example where she was saying that just because you're not directly affected by something doesn't mean that it doesn't negatively affect you. And the example that she used is that if you're in your house and you hear a gunshot, you you're startled. Because, you know, there's a gunshot in your neighborhood and you don't know what happened, you know, but you don't see anything. And so you feel a little apprehensive. And then you could be walking outside of your house, you know, maybe you parked your car and you're walking to your house and you hear a gunshot. Then you're a little bit more apprehensive because now you're out in the open. So it's a little bit your stress level, the post-traumatic stress level is higher. Then if you're walking down the street and you're with somebody and they get shot, then you're even more stressed because now you've witnessed something, and you're you know you're, you're you you don't know you don't know if you're next or whatever the case is, and you're you're you at that level of anxiety. And then there's the level of if you get shot, you know, where it's like firsthand. So what I'm saying is that if we if we know that certain situations can cause anxiety, whether or not it happens to you directly or not, is still not enough reason to ignore it. And and that goes on, on a lot of topics. You know, you may think that you have cognitive indifference. I like that term. But you may think you have cognitive indifference, but it could be affecting you on a subconscious level, and you don't even realize it. I thought that was an excellent a- analogy that she has, but that's, you know, that's why she's she's uh, a doctor. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, uh, of course, you know, I want to uh, change the conversation just for a second. Because you know, there's something that we, we've talked about several times on this, on this podcast—the idea of privacy and technology and big corporations and you know all of these agreements that they sign and promises that they make, and then they end up going ahead and doing what they said they were not going to do. One of the one of the places that I actually love using, especially, and we even. Take this podcast using it. We 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 do we go through Zoom. Um, and we found out something recently about Zoom, and I'll let you talk about that that segment, Jones.
1: Yeah, they they found out that although Zoom was advertising that they were, um, you know, end to end encryption, so people had a, a sense of. Privacy and and basically, what um, my understanding of what end end encryption means is that no one else can read your information. It's encrypted. You know, at the beginning, it's encrypted. At the end, so only the people who are in the conversation are the ones who who can um, who can uh, get the message or read the message. That it was being um, touted that that was the case, and that wasn't necessarily the case. And also, what Zoom was doing is they were providing the information. To personal information to Facebook, and that wasn't just what we were talking about on a previous podcast that you know if you're on Google and then you're on Facebook, it's like do you want to open your Google account with your facebook It wasn't that you were on both of them, you could have not even been on Facebook, and Zoom was still giving your information to Facebook, so at a certain point it uh you know it was something that had to be addressed in a class action suit start was started where they They kind of worked it out where if you're a regular user, you could get a reimbursement of um, $25 or 15% of whatever you've outlaid in your subscription, whatever is the most. You know, you would get that back as part of the restitution for the the oops, (laughs) the oops, I did it again mentality on the part of the company.
0: Again, we go back to what Gandhi said. People prefer to ask for forgiveness than permission. And then so Zoom was found to be using their Zoom app to transfer data to Facebook, even if the Zoom user didn't have a Facebook account. Then Zoom said we we removed the relevant code in in response. So if you know it was a code that was doing it, you that means you knew that the code was in there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's that sounds (laughs) Google-esque. Just like when, when Google had that patent for the uh the stalk-o-rama, <laughs> as you called it. When they had that patent for, you know, the Google maps where they're taking pictures of people's uh <laughs> houses and, and they found out that uh oh, this can actually retrieve your passcodes and you know, <laughs> we can get all kinds of sensitive information from this antenna. And yeah, Google was like, oh, I had no idea, but uh, don't worry about that patent we applied for specifically for that exact uh, um, technology. So And,
0: and so you, you would get people from the, the far right saying that, you know, we have too many lawsuits going on. But guess how we found out about this, a class action lawsuit. We found out it wasn't through the goodness of the company that they came forward and told us about this. Because obviously there had to be some type of economic incentive for them to be reporting our data information. Because somehow you know it was being sold to someone for their benefit, and and then to say that um this was going on uh between the between 2016 to 2021, anyone that 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 uh was using Zoom, even if you paid for it or if you didn't pay for it, you have an opportunity to get up to twenty five dollars or fifteen dollars as compensation. You have to actually file a claim for this.
1: Yeah, well, it's you know, like you said with the the you know, you're not going to find it out unless there's something like this happening because the 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 benefits that they're getting are probably way going to outweigh whatever they have to outlay outlay um in in terms of restitution, but it's it's that whole Aaron Brockovich situation. You know, the and that how old is that movie? You know, people know that the corporation will do whatever they're going to do and they'll out they'll they'll wait out other, anyone who complains because they have lawyers on on <laughs> on on um you know re- retention to handle these things indefinitely and they'll just wait out anyone who discovers it individually. It's only until you get a class action where they're able to have enough people to um you know go go against them as a group where the embarrassment factor and all that other stuff comes into that into play where maybe something will get done. There's one
0: there's one other topic I want to discuss with you, Jones, because I know you feel the same way I do. You know, finally, you know, common sense has prevailed on you to come in line with common sense thinking such as mine. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant thinking. If you do say so yourself. I, I and so do you. Thank you. <laughs> so one of the things that we've been looking at, because it's it's been frustrating and I can tell you personally I understand it being a being a, a person that have friends that own own property and having owned property and had people living on that property, and dealing with the uh, the situation of having people pay you rent uh, when they want to, or uh, having to take a uh, legal act action against them, it seems to me that this particular uh, media has been leading toward always making the landlord uh, the bad guy. And most people think, oh, well, it's this big corporate entity, and they don't realize that a lot of people have bought property as a, a, a what they call passive income, which um, I don't know how you can say owning a house is a passive income because you have, the house has to have a cons- constant upkeep, so there's no passivity to it. But there's this whole narrative that's out there that landlords are you know uh, are the bad guys in this whole situation. And it, it maybe think about the whole situation with the state of New York, which is where we're at right now, and how they already depleted all of their funds to toward um emergency assistance to pay rent. Yet you still see um landlords talking about they have received their rent.
1: Yeah, and, and and part of it is uh part of it is the red tape that exists in our society where they try and make people jump through hoops several times in order to get something done quickly, which doesn't make sense because the amount of time that people have to spend going through red tape. there are people who have to process that red tape, and then you're spending more money, you know going through that with your administrative costs. So I don't understand why we even do that, but that's that's a whole nother story. But the main issue here is that society is treating the small landlord like the big landlord, and as we just mentioned about people who can afford to have a lawyer on retention, you know if you have a small landlord that's going through problems with the tenant and has to now fork out money for a lawyer to go to court. That's different than, you know, a large corporation that just has a lawyer who's getting, you know, $5,000 a month to handle as many cases as come up, you know, and they don't really have to worry about it. So in, in these situations where COVID hit, and there's a whole bunch of problems where people lost their job or couldn't pay the pay their money, or people were only getting their whatever their stipend was from the government, and they needed that in order to eat or to survive. They they basically pushed it out on the landlord, and maybe a large landlord can handle that. I know we had a couple of cases where landlords were like, "Oh, I'm forgiving the rent for my entire building," you know, like my, my ten ten family building for. The next two months, you know, this is my, but they could do that because they were making a whole bunch of money to begin with. And, you know, it's 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 gravy for them. But for those people who were relying on that money in order to be able to provide heat and hot water and all the other stuff that you're required to pay, it's a different story for them. And unfortunately, society is treating everybody the same where they're making these rent laws and everybody has to apply, you know, by those rent laws as if. People can afford to donate their hard-earned income towards the hardship of one of their tenants.
0: You and and again, um, I told you about the the, the 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 idiocy that I saw online for the for the landlord's emergency assistance program, when where they talked about um, if the tenant doesn't want to apply for emergency assistance the landlord is required to to reach out to them at least three times and two times in writing to encourage them to apply for emergency funds to pay the rent. How has it become my job for people to do what they should be doing? Okay, it's like Chris Rock talked about people want, want an award for doing what they're supposed to be doing. If you live in a house, you live in an apartment, you live in a, a room and, and there's electricity on and there's gas and there's hot water and there's heat, that has to be paid. What they don't tell you is guess what? There's no moratorium on paying taxes which the landlords have to continually pay. Property taxes. Okay? This during this whole pandemic, do you think that they gave anybody a break from paying pop- property taxes? They damn sure didn't.
1: Yeah, but Maurice, why are you surprised? It's it's become your job to do corporations work i mean since uh, self-serve lines <laughs> you you have to cashier yourself out and pay them you know now if you call a business you know to find out about uh you know what 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 went wrong with your package you have to stay online and press press millions of buttons going through automated prompts you know it's so that they don't have to pay pay somebody to listen to your problems you know it's it, that's the society we live in now and it's unfortunate But you know, and it's it's especially unfortunate in situations like this because it's one thing if you're going through a little bit of an inconvenience because your package is late, you know, and you don't know if you're gonna it's gonna arrive today or tomorrow. But it's another thing if, like you said, you're talking about doing things to make sure that the property you've worked for years to to be able to pay the mortgage can be sustained throughout a COVID situation that has nothing to do with um you know any anything that you did because even when they did the moratorium thing where it's like okay if, if you can prove that you can't pay your bill your your um, rent because of covid then you know we're just going to put, put this moratorium on and it goes on for a year and then a year and a half and just keeps going on when landlords were saying well what about my mortgage they're like well okay we're going to try and get banks to put a moratorium on your mortgage but they weren't saying that There's going to be no interest charge, like your interest isn't going to continue to accumulate on that principal, And, you know, all of that stuff that sounded good, sounded like, okay, yeah, we're looking out for you, too. Wasn't really that. But, you know, we had problems even before COVID, you know, when they started coming up with the new rent laws where they really.